Welcome to the Wine Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle FC fan podcast, the podcast that can't be any of that losing games, mate, on this pod. It's Fergie time, we talk big dunk, Duncan Disorderly, Duncan Ferguson, and the first league win of the season. That's it, he is back in Scottish football, and he is at ICT. All that and 29 years worth of Inverness Caledonian Thistle references packed into now a wild conjecture and mild destruction. Let's shuffle! Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, trucks and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? There's it. Welcome, one and all. I am Andrew Moffat, and joining me for this big dunk pod is Big Fun Sandy Sutherland. Hello. Hello. Big Brain Andrew Young. Hello. Very kind. Good evening. Big shoes to fill, making his debut, Ross McDonald. Good evening. Hello. And big time, actual, real journalist, Paul Chalk. How you doing, Paul? Hi, Andrew. Good night. Right. We we will talk about the Arbroath game shortly, but but first the appointment. In the space of 24 hours, we thought it was Scott Brown. We thought it was Robbie Nielsen. We thought it was Jamie McAllister. And then out of the blue, uh, you know, there he is, Duncan Ferguson, the biggest surprise I've had since watching the end of The Usual Suspects. But it wasn't any of The Usual Suspects. It was one of the most iconic names in British football. Right. Come to Chalky first. Chalky, did you know? No, Sky Sports knew first, uh, didn't they? I think they they had us all waiting, and then on Monday night, um, they broke the news that it would be Duncan Ferguson. And um, uh, yeah, uh, Monday was, as you say, Scott Brown was the the name that kind of emerged around about mid afternoon on Monday. Um, I think um, you know, at the BBC, you got the ball rolling with the speculation uh, during the Dundee United game because Scott Brown was uh, in the area the, the previous week. Um, as he often is, you know, golfing um, as well. So, um, you know, Scott Brown is looking for work at the moment, but um, I think he's looking for work back down in, in England. But, um, yeah, uh, Duncan Ferguson was one that, that uh, just emerged late on the night before the press conference. So, uh, wrong-footed is all. Cali Thistle have got a habit of doing this, don't they? they, they it's, it's names that are never really mentioned Um but yeah, it was a surprise to to me, and I, I think um, you know the the rest of the media. We were all waiting for someone just to, I, you know, I was getting all the details the night before about who it wasn't, um, and I found out kind of quite early that it wasn't Scott Brown, and it wasn't Jamie McAllister, and it wasn't Dougie Emery, um, and then um, news was that it would be a big name, and then uh, I think it was messaging you, Andrew, saying, you know, I'm. Just thinking who it could be, you know. I mean, and um, you know, I, the, the one that sprung to mind for me might have been Terry Butcher, which uh, I think would have been a, a popular one with the, the fans. You can you can tell me, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll speak about Duncan. It's a big name appointment, and um, you know what what a start yesterday it gave you, brilliant. Yeah, uh, Ey, we talked about all these names uh, on the last podcast that we did, uh, and we didn't we did not see this one coming, did we? What were your first thoughts? Uh, no, not at all. Um, yeah, it was, it was Monday night, and I think I was I was just about I was ready to go on to the Scottish football podcast, uh, um, and to talk about Dodds' dismissal, yeah, with no idea, you know, that someone was going to be announced the next day. Um, they were meant I was meant to go on at nine o'clock, and they kind of messaged me at five two to say, 
oh, we'll be ready at 20 past nine. And then at nine o'clock itself, the news about Ferguson started hitting. I think you mentioned it, Moff, and the Scottish Football Podcast guys got back to me on when it's Ferguson's Ferguson started. Like, I, I, was, I was totally, I don't know, gobsmacked, to be honest. So when I went onto the podcast, it ended up being more about Ferguson. And I just kind of was desperately trying to think of both the kind of like the risk factors, but also some of the positives, you know, with kind of like his, his work with young players and that. Um, it's making more sense to me now and not just on the back of yesterday. We'll probably get to this, you know, when we talk about him in more detail later. But I'm now starting to think, yeah, actually, I can see some really strong reasons why we've appointed him. But at first, yeah, it just felt so left field that it almost just felt like a, I don't know, some sort of sorry, publicity stunt. And Sandy, ever the sceptic, uh, <laughs> are you still sceptical after our growth? You, it, you can feel the feel-good factor, can't you, despite yeah, the scepticism? Yeah, yeah, despite the scepticism. I, 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 same as AY, from a very early stage, I could I could see sort of the grains of reason that's why we were taking them in, because from very early on, and you know, Chalky will probably be able to back me up on this. From his first press conference, you could you could almost instantly see the the kind of the passion and the the positivity kind of raining out from him. And you know, the more we saw that throughout the week, it, it began to reflect more. And yeah, it, it's something that we've kind of not seen for for quite a while. Obviously, you know, just due to results and performances overall. But he strikes me as a really confident guy. He strikes me as someone who is here to to try and do good. Who who wants to do good. Perhaps he feels he has a point to prove as well as, as anything else because of uh, his time at his previous club, managerial-wise. But yeah, I, I, I've liked how he really presents himself. He seems like a, a really confident guy. I really hope that he can back up with some more results. We got off to a great start yesterday. But yeah, sceptical as I am, I, I I am in danger of falling for the guy. I, I do like what he has to say. I like how he carries himself and I just hope it sort of continues. And Ross, well, welcome to the pod. Your first time on. Um, Thank you very much for having me. No, no problem at all. I mean, your brother was very good, so you obviously got a lot of big shoes to fill. Uh, obviously, your family, you're, you're a season ticket holder yourself. You go to the home games, you go to the away games. You were at our both. Um, your family all goes to the games. You know, what was what was the discussion on the on the family WhatsApp group when it was finally announced? I think it was kind of disbelief in a sense because obviously we've gone through all these names like Scott Brown, Doogie Imray and all that and we're all thinking they're probably like names we could have heard of and then it was suddenly like on the Monday night that Duncan Ferguson, this famous Scottish football figure of like English football too, like as I was an Everton fan, I'm an Everton fan so like seeing Duncan Ferguson become from like being a dugout from under like Ancelotti, Martin Tez, like famous managers and then suddenly he's up in this Highland town um managing us is still like still can't get my head around it really being honest yeah brilliant so the last time uh duncan ferguson was involved in scottish football in any way it was 1994 so can anybody name me a number one from 1994 anyone shout out love is all around by wait 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 that is that is actually that's correct yeah <laughs> well done but i'm not i'm not playing that i'm not no, playing please that. don't no please don't yeah things are getting better Okay, on to the Arbroath game. The phenomenal 3-2 win, the first victory of the season in the league. Billy Dodge tried everything, but he couldn't get a tune out of the players this season in nine matches. Um, so if the players can't play for, for points or wages, maybe the threat of severe 
physical violence has done the trick. And it did. Arbroath 2, Cali Thistle 3, three goals up, the likes of which we haven't seen in eons. I, I was at the game myself. Um, I think... So the, I think there's something special about this if you actually look into the, sort of the background to it. So apart from the scoreline, um, his last game um, for Rangers, Ferguson, he only played 14 games for Rangers, but his last game I think was in October 1994 and then, then he moved to Everton then, initially on loan. Um, and obviously our first league game um, was well, when we were just formed against was against our broth that season, being the 5-2 win over our broth. Alan Hurcher scored a hat-trick in that game. Ferguson's only hat-trick in Scottish football came against Arbroath um, and his first game as manager is a win over Arbroath in which we score, score three goals. So it's sort of written in the stars, really, if you look, look at it like that. But first half goals from uh, Lewis Longstaff and Aaron Doran uh, make it the perfect start before Billy Mackay lobs in any sensational third after the break to ensure the first win of the league season. Uh, less said about the end of the match, I, I would say. But, you know, we did, we did hold out which is something we haven't done so far this season. Ross, did you enjoy your day out? Oh, yeah. was it? Our, our bros is probably one of my favourite away days. Pubs are amazing, uh, but the football was just spectacular in a sense. Looked a lot more clinical on the ball, Was uh, you see from the finishes, except from really long staff one where he kind of bundled it across the line. But Aaron Dar made a good run for a long staff ball, and then Billy Mackay does Billy Mackay does best. Just lobs Gaston. And Chalky, you were you were at the game in a in a working capacity. What was the um what was what was the, what was the vibe like in the press box? Or do you have a press box? Maybe it's a press area. Uh, yeah, feels- yeah, press area opposite the main the main stand. And um, I don't know the Cali Thistle fans always seem to get moved at Gayfield. You're in a different location every time you, you visit there, but yeah. uh, you were you were packed into that that area next to the main stand and making a fair old noise. Nearly two hundred and fifty Cali Jags fans there yesterday as well. So um, no. Um, Duncan Ferguson came out on, on at the pitch um, when the players were warming up and he, he was very, very relaxed. He came over for a chat with um, Fraser, the video, video uh, analyst, and um, Liam, or the, the media guy at Cali Thistle, you know, and um, he was having a wee, wee chat with everyone. A, a bit of a bolstered press box yesterday with a few of the national guys there as well, obviously, for, for Duncan um, want, wanting uh, their kind of uh, take on it as well. So, um yeah, it was. I, th- I think one of the things that Duncan said after the, the game was pretty much that um, comeback by Arbroath um, was to be expected in a way, and he he never felt comfortable even at three 0 um, because games are, are never finished even at, even at three. And he said, you know, supporters maybe would think they get the game is over at that point, but um, he said especially with the team being bottom of the league, the nerves. We're going to sit in at some stage, but um, he was delighted by how clinical uh, the team were. He felt it could have been four or five and really put the, the game to bed. You know, he said they're going to be working on that this week because on counter attacks, he was very, very happy. But um, he felt that, um, you know, the game could have been um, put out of sight uh, further. But, you know, absolutely elated. And he's been terrific this week. You, you know, press wise, we've been at two press conferences and then spoke to him after, after the game. And he's really, really measured and not the guy that um, probably we all expected when he arrived at Inverness uh, earlier last week. And Ross, you were at the game as well, obviously. Um did you see any differences in the setup or the tactics from from Billy Dodds's um, time? And also, it was it was it was the same lineup I think as as Charlie and and Robbo had picked the week before. 
Yeah, I think it looked Longstaff looked more central, I would have said, than like on the wing. So he kept been cutting in. So he made a really, really good ball for uh, Aaron Doran's goal. Um, I would say, I, I think we like at the back, even though we conceded two goals, I think we looked a lot more solid up to that point. Um, there was just a freak goal that Uger couldn't really do much about, which just cleared off Stuart and it lobs Mark Ridgers' freak goal. And then the third one, the second one for them, sorry. Um, was just a good run by McKenna and just striker holds it up, passes it past, and then beats Mark Ridgers at the near post. Ay Sandy, no, you boys weren't able to make it to the game for you know personal reasons, got things going on. But um, you know you've seen the goals. I've looked them back. I looked them back as well. Um, Lewis Longstaff, he is coming on to a game. He's got a goal there. He's got an assist. I thought he's been looking good in the last couple of games um, against Wraith Rovers as well. I thought he was fantastic. Um, how how important do you think? a player like that could be, you know, a creative midfielder, a guy that's making chances, especially with other players who have, haven't been on form this season. I think, yeah, uh, having seen him in the Dundee United game, uh, where he played in the 10 more, although I think a couple of times he swapped with Shaw, um, I was really, really impressed by him there. Actually, he's got so much energy, you know, and he's now looking like he's got the confidence to run at players, which is important. Yesterday, obviously, I didn't see, I've only seen the goals, but... Um, he seemed to be, yeah, having quite a free roll across that kind of three behind Mackay. As Ross was saying, you know, he was it was wider uh, for the it was the second goal, wasn't it? The Doran goal that he put the cross in for, yeah. you know. So that was, you know, that shows that he's he's kind of um, able to kind of, um, you know, he's got that kind of versatility, that ability to kind of like run players in the wide areas or to play through the middle as well. You know, I think that's going to be really important. I think when we were at our best. Um, the season before last, we were able to do that a bit more. We were playing again three behind a striker, and they were interchanging quite well. Uh, the season that we ended up in the playoffs, and I think you know we we're quite often uh, at our most dangerous when we we're able to do that. So hopefully, with Shaw and if Doran gets a run and is able to get back into top form, we can have that sort of creativity again. Yeah, I thought he was our best player against United last week, and I think because he got taken off quite early in the second half, and I I thought we actually struggled without him, um, especially going through the middle. Uh, and obviously uh, yesterday just kind of seems to have been a, an extension of that again because he comes away with a, a goal and an assist and the week before he, he set up a couple of really good chances he probably set up the best chance of the game for us which Billy Mackay put just past the post it's just really good to see him playing so well because he's taken time to settle like a lot of the other players I do wonder if fitness was maybe an issue because we did sign him sort of halfway through the, the summer yeah. Uh, maybe he just needed a bit more time to get up to speed as opposed to everyone else because he, he would have spent most of last season training part-time as well, having been at Cove. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's all really encouraging signs from him now. And one or two other uh, new players just needs to carry on. You know, Hopefully the, the head bump he took wasn't too bad yesterday because it sounds like it was a bit of a messy one for him because we don't want to be losing him just when he started playing well. OK, well, you've heard from us. Uh, let's hear from the man himself. Duncan Ferguson spoke to uh, Liam from uh, the Cali Thistle Media team. First of all, just some reflections on that game, a 3-2 win against our Grove. Reflections, got, it was all action, wasn't it? Yeah. It was an all-action game. It's, it just shows you at any level it's no easy to win a match. You're sitting there, uh, we started really well, we were really a threat on the counter-attack. Our shape worked really well, particularly the first half. Uh, we created chances, we took two of them, good finishes, so um, no, we were comfortable weren't we, in the first half. Obviously then they put us under a lot of pressure, second half they started putting a lot of players on the last line, which gave us a lot of problems. We, we tweaked our, our tactical setup a little bit, um, I think that encouraged them onto us then in the second half, but you're always going to soak in pressure in the second half when you're, when you're winning. And obviously of course uh, we, we go 3-0 up, um, 
you know, and we miss a counter-attacking opportunity, we get into their box again, another entry into the box, we could go four up, we don't, and of course they get the deflected goal, which was just incredible really how that's went in, but, that was, but the boys were incredible, they played really hard, they worked their socks off, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I think pretty much you said about, you just want to see everyone give 100% effort, and, everyone be, and it looked like everyone was at it from the get-go in the first half as well. Absolutely, and of course, you know, when you get the win, people can, see, can, people can easily say that, yeah. but the, I'm sure the players have been trying really, really hard over the last few months to get a result. Today, we got a wee bit of luck, didn't we? So that was it, but they played really well, and yes, they gave 100% effort, absolutely, and that is the total commitment that I've got to show to this club. Perfect, and uh, Louis Longstaff, um, a goal and a, and a great assist as well, showed his capabilities as well today, brilliant He did, I thought he worked really hard, the kid. Um, I never quite saw his goal, it was a bit, uh, you know, in the box, but um, he worked really hard, and unfortunately he got a bit of a head knock there, there was a lot of blood involved, but I think they all worked hard. Nathan on the other side worked extremely hard as well, I thought Charlie in, in the middle of the pitch was magnificent. I thought the centre backs were great. I thought all the goalie makes a great save to, to keep us in it when we're winning 3 1. That could make it 3 2. So I thought all over the pitch, really, they were great. I thought the strikers were brilliant. I thought I worked really well. I thought Billy showed his composure and his experience up there. And um, so did. Um, he, he played really well as well. Of course, as the game was going on, they started to tire a little bit, so that's why I made the changes. Yeah, it's been obviously a whirlwind week for you coming in and appointed as manager, and, but it's such an encouraging start um, just with only a, a few training sessions under the belt with, with yourself. Yes, a lot can be made to say that about the manager, but sometimes you get that bounce effect, don't you? I'm sure the players have been working extremely hard under the previous manager, there's no question about that. Um, they've just never had the luck. I watched them against United, I watched them against Wraith Rovers, they're only on the, the wrong side of 1-0. So, yeah, but it's, it's pleasing. It was nice to see the fans to get a win. It's been 10 games since we've had, it, had a win. So it was lovely to go in and, and, and share that moment with the fans because they deserved it for all their travelling they've done and all the money they spent. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, you're, you're a big, tra a decent travelling support here today and at the end, great to share that moment with them, that celebration. I saw you at the end of the game with the fans. Yeah. It's, it's football, it's emotion. We all want to win. It's never easy to win a game at football at any level. Of course, they've went through they've went through a lot of fans as well over the last few months. Um, but it was nice that they've travelled and it was nice that they got their win because it was you know the second half. I both did very well. They put a lot of players in the last line. They went direct. But I thought we battled away well. Thank you. Thank you very much. That cheers. Thank you. Duncan Ferguson there uh, talking after the match to Liam from the Cali Thistle media team. And yeah, when he was on the pitch, Ross, when he was on the pitch uh, on Saturday, we're recording this on the Sunday, when he was on the pitch yesterday, and you're like, oh, he's, he's coming over. He is coming over, isn't he? And you could, everyone had the phones out. Everyone was trying to get down. You know, you got like, you know, I'm a 40-year-old man. And I'm, I'm trying to get down the front. And go, oh, Duncan Ferguson. You know, there's other, there's other young guys, old guys, you know, girls, boys, everybody trying to get down to just sort of get a get a piece of him. Like, how, how, did, you, how did you find that? How did you experience that moment? Like he reminds me more of like Teddy Butcher in a sense. He looks like he actually appreciates the fans and the way like they've paid the money to get there wherever it's from the country you're from. As we all know, we have fans from everywhere all over Scotland. And I feel like it's like that he appreciates us. And just when he came over, you're like sitting there going, oh my God, Duncan Ferguson is our manager. And I still don't <laughs> think I can get that in my head right now. The only other thing I was going to say is, uh, one of the things to took a bit of shine off actually was, Chalky alluded to it earlier on, I don't know why they felt the need to um, herd us into that small area, you know, just at the side of the pitch. I actually had a word with the stewards. I was going to ask this because it all yeah. just looked very crammed. 
It was. It was. But I just yeah. I don't I don't think they were expecting two hundred and fifty Cali fans to be honest. Um, well, and I said, probably... like they've got basically our what our bro fans like to do is they like to migrate from one end of the stadium stadium one end of the ground to the other end of the ground. So they do that, but in doing that, then you're limiting the space for the opposition fans. Uh, I just think it's particularly fair, to be honest. But anyway, just just that reaction at the end, and obviously watching it on TV um, and being like really jealous and wishing I was there. That kind of ties almost what I said right at the start about starting to see the the method behind the gamble of of Ferguson because because when he does that at the end, he's got such a kind of huge kind of cult figure aura. Ross has already alluded to that. The fact that you're going, to go, oh my god, it's Duncan Ferguson. That response is going to get him far more credit in the bank than any other manager that mentioned had they won their first game. You know, if Kevin Thompson say had won his first game or Davin O'Day or even Dougie Emery and they'd come over and done that. The fans would have been appreciative, you know what I mean? But it wouldn't have had that response. But as it is, you know what I mean? There's already people are absolutely buying into the guy, you know what I mean? And the fact that it comes across as absolutely genuine, the fact that it comes across as he's someone who really, really wants to wants to give back, it almost feels like, you know, he was he almost seemed to have a very ambivalent relationship with football all the way through his playing career. And then later on in his career, he started to get this thing where he really wants to to kind of engage with fans and engage with young players and all this sort of stuff. And it's, this is his sort of opportunity to do it. And I think the fans sort of sense that. So all of a sudden he's immediately got, you know, the, this kind of like loyalty, I think, that almost no other, you know, f- figure who's in the, in the reckoning would have got, you know. I mean, that can only last for so long. Do you know what I mean? But I just thought it was, uh, I just thought it was a really, really powerful moment that seeing him coming across and yeah, the, rea- the reaction. Agree. Uh, Chalky, did you get a chance to speak to him after the game? Did he come and do, did, did they have a sort of a press a press conference, press area in the yeah, in the, yeah, in the, in the did that too, yeah. field. Yeah, once he'd done that um, quick interview with, with Liam that you you um, played out there, uh, yeah, he was over. And the the good thing is, you know, he doesn't, you know, hurry. Yeah, he's he's there. He'll take any any question, and he's um, uh, he was very mindful of the the and thankful for the supporters that were were down there. And I think a big thing about this week as well is just hours after he was uh, unveiled, as we say, um, as the new new manager, he was out doing work with the uh, community team, uh, you know, just uh, on, on the same day. He was at Rothes as well midweek for the North of Scotland Cup tie, and he was doing an, another charity photo call on, on Friday as, as well. So um, he, he wants to be involved in, in every aspect, but uh, first and foremost, it's about delivering results and um you know, he, he was asked, you know, by the, the journalists after the, the game at Arbroath, you know, this isn't the, the Duncan Ferguson we all know and expect. You know, you're very calm. Well, on the sidelines, you know, he was pacing up and down. You you saw him. He had his, yeah. his um, you know, Dick Campbell was at the, the other side um, for, for most of the afternoon. And um, he, but, um, he, he says, no, all I was doing was, was passing on instructions to the team. I didn't want to be caught up. I didn't want to be too excited. He said, and it was just real emotion at the end with the supporters, and that really yeah. matters to me. He says, I'm a, I'm a people person, I'm a caring person, and people will see that with me through time. He says, I'm not doing it for any other reason, but it's really, it is genuine with me, and you'll find that out. And in fact, in an interview, uh, we spoke to Billy McKay, which was going out in, in Monday's papers as well, and he said the first conversation he had with the players was that he's going to give this club during this three-year contract 100% and he'll demand that from the players the very first session on Thursday. Uh, that was the message, 100%. And 
and Kelly Thistle will be good enough to get out of the trouble that, that they're in and start climbing this table. And, and Billy Mackay says, if you've got a manager like Duncan coming in and saying that straight away, the players will buy into it and we're going to give 100% aces. And I think you saw that, especially first half before our both came back into it. So um, I thought, yeah, it's been a really interesting week. Jockey, you're getting us excited. Right, up next, let's learn a little bit more about the big man. He's a big name, big personality, but no pedigree in Scottish football as a manager or a coach. But maybe when you're as big as him, you don't need one. He's worked with Roberto Martinez, Ronald Koeman, Sam Allardyce, Marco Silva, Carlo Ancelotti, the latter, who had a chance to go to Madrid with, and now he's in Inverness. Madrid's got the Museum of Romanticism, the Royal Palace of Madrid, and the Archaeological Museum of Spain. And we have got Leakey's Secondhand Bookshop, which is actually a really, really good bookshop. Uh, so drawbacks, what are, the, what are the drawbacks? The drawbacks, I think most people would say, you know, the detractors might say, county fans might say online, um, they'd point to his forest green record and they'd point to his lack of experience in Scotland. And Sandy, those were the things that you were really worried about, I believe, online um, during the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a, a, a look sort of over Forrest Green time more than anything. And I think in some ways he was a little bit hard done by with that job because uh, I kind of looked at the timeline of everything. When he got that job, there was only, I think, four days of the transfer window left when he went to Forrest Green in the January. So he didn't really have any time to actually put anything in place. They were already quite far down in the league. I think they were, I think they were twelve points off safety. So he was already facing a very uphill struggle in trying to get out of it. It didn't happen. People will look at the results as one thing, but there's obviously a lot that's kind of gone with them along the way. That said, the one win that he did get was against one of the teams that uh, got promoted in the league. So there is a winning pedigree in there somewhere, even when they're not playing that well. Uh, but yeah, it, it was probably the, the first attractor for me, but that was, you know, as we've said, it was before I got a chance to really listen to him and listen to how he came across. And yeah, I have to say, I've, I've warmed it all considerably more since then. Do you think there's anything else that sort of um, that worries you about the appointment, AY? I don't know. Um, I suppose the fact that if he's if he's too successful too quickly, um, which, I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's been very, very optimistic, then he would get snapped up quickly because he's... Um, because he has that sort of name and he's got that sort of aura, do you know what I mean? He'd immediately command, you know, people would take a punt on him quite quickly, but that's, you know, that's a very good problem to have. And I really don't know if it's going to happen. Um, not really. I mean, if you're, if you're kind of alluding gently to the fact that way, way back in the midst of time, he's obviously had his, his various issues with kind of, um, you know, like the various convictions and obviously like eight sendings off in, in England and nine sendings off, I think, and that sort of stuff. But you also get the impression that he's apparently become a very, very kind of calm, measured sort of character, a sort of reflective character. And actually that sort of experience could be a good thing. That could be a positive in terms of how he coaches the players and tries to stop the players from, you know, making rash decisions and that sort of stuff. You know, that sort of lived experience is probably a good thing. So um, I don't see any obvious negatives. The only thing I suppose would be if it turned out that we've punted a massive, we've gambled a massive amount of club money on him. But there's also a speculation about the fact about his wages potentially being covered by a, a director. I don't know about the truth of that. But is that right? I, I haven't, I haven't heard that. What's 
it's it's been said a couple of, in a couple of places, and I've no idea, but it would make it would make sense from the point of view that I don't know how the club could afford to pay off Billy Dodds and then hire someone like Duncan Ferguson um, on th- a three year contract. Uh, but then I don't know why it would make sense for a director to, to cover his wages, you know, because um, they're not necessarily going to get anything back from it. So I really don't know. Yeah. Well, as 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 he's got that experience in the in the English Premier League. Um, this week, I think in the paper, maybe it was it was you, Paul. I'm not sure. He talked about not changing his drills for anyone. He says these are the same coaching drills I've used with some of the best in the world. Uh, and the you know I'm not going to go down to the players' level. The players have got to come up to my level. What? How? How? How comfort? How does that make you feel, Ross? That's that for me. That's like that says right. We're going to be seeing a different level of football. I feel like it's going to take us up to another level. It's obviously lately it's not been the highest level, like of confidence, especially. And like say from it was last week, it was better from against Dundee United. But before that, though, it just our confidence levels were not very high. Like if we conceded a goal, it was kind of like heads down and all that. But no, I think it hopefully can take us on to this next level. Like it was great we won against our growth, but it's really now needing to see if you can keep that going, keep that confidence going into next week when we play Park Thistle. But it's. No, it's it's exciting so far, but we just have to wait and see where it goes, really. Andrew, if I could just jump in there as well. He, um, Duncan said after the game, and he said it in one of the press conferences as well, it, it shouldn't be forgotten. You know, and uh, uh, the guys are quite right to point to the, the Forest Green experience. And I think um, we can, it's, it's probably appropriate to, to take it with a... A pinch of salt. How how badly he 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 did there. I think any manager would struggle. There was a lot going on behind the scenes that I think will come out. I think Duncan will speak about that at the, at the right time. We don't really know the full story about Forest Green yet, and this week really hasn't been about Forest Green. It's been about Inverness. But um, he was just pointing out he's not a rookie manager. You know, although that was his first job. You know, he's managed Everton in the English Premier League, albeit. You know, briefly, and um, what I've heard about the the training sessions on Thursday and Friday ahead of the Arbroath game is, and you've got to remember, there's been managers at Inverness that have um, raised the bar in terms of the fitness levels, but uh, this was another, this was uh, the peak of, of any Cali Thistle manager so far. So um, hitting those heights is exactly what he'll demand from this group, and that's got to be a good thing. Uh, just well, I've got you there, Paul. Um, you obviously. Struck up probably a bit of a chord, but of a friendship with Billy Dodds. He's a very amenable guy. Are you sad to see him go? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think for from Billy's point of view, um, you know, speaking to him a couple of weeks before the the decision was made for him and, and Barry to to go, he, he could see it coming. You know, and I think when you get a performance, he, he, he could see play, it coming. He could, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just because he he knows it's a results business, and I think that that Wraith Rovers defeat when the team played so so well mm. um, and didn't get their noses in front, uh, you just think, what else can you do? You know, that, that's a team Wraith Rovers that never beat Cali Thistle, as you guys know, um, and they battered them the first half at Kirkcaldy, and still uh, it was a game that they lost, and. Um, you know, Scott Gardner, the chief executive, said falling twelve points behind Wraith Rovers that weekend was the that was the final straw for them. And um, but yeah, in terms of Billy, you know, he is. I think he was a, a little bit hamstrung by what he could do in the the um, transfer window. You, you know, he didn't get the the top targets he he wanted in. Um, but I think from from his point of view, you know, he had a, a squad that he felt should have been, you know, probably around about mid table by now rather than than bottom of the table. So um, no, it's it's a real shame. Um, 
you know, he gave he gave everything, took the club to a cup final. Um, you know, and the injuries, uh, we, we've talked about them before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll bounce back and you'll hear plenty do, of them. And do, do you want do you want a hardball question? Put, on you, chalk, chalk. all right, here's a, here's a hardball question. Yeah, I'm just reading what I read online, okay? It's, you know, yeah, yeah. Play, play devil's advocate. Um, so do you, when you have a relationship with a manager like that and you're a local journalist, do you find that it's you need to try and sort of, um, sort of create that sort of or keep that relationship rather relationship rather than than ask him the like difficult some difficult questions that might he might not he might bristle you might bristle at if you know what I'm no I, I don't think I mean, in terms of Billy you know and I, I know punters were having a wee a wee go I think it was one of my opinion pieces and I think Will Clark got it over at the Inverness Courier as well you know and yeah um, well, so did we. So did we, mate. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all we're all getting it, you know. But from that point of view, that that piece in particular that I've written was a, a, it was an opinion piece, and people, you know, the, the punters were saying, you know, that it, it wasn't fact that I was basing it on. That piece wasn't fact, but my other stuff, you know, we we did ask Billy the the tough questions when it was required, and he he he, yeah. um, he was aware of that. He worked, you know, he worked in, in the media, you know, and we, there were. Uh, you know, you have to. You're returning to Billy every week for, for answers, and I, I know mm-hmm. people will expect that. You know, you, you can't fall out with a club to a certain degree. But Billy, Billy knew that the, the answers, um, the, the the questions were going to be be tough. Um, and um, you, you know, but uh, yeah, and I know it, it, we're thick skinned, and we're, we're used mm-hmm. to used to hearing that from supporters. You know, and um, you know. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's look a little bit more about Duncan Ferguson's um, background. He's he's worked under a lot of managers that we, we mentioned there. He's also worked under um, two people he cites as his biggest influence. I spent a lot, of, obviously, we'll talk about our media stuff we've all done um, during the week. We'll talk about that later on in the pod. But um, So we've all done a fair bit of research so we can actually say only we know what we're talking about and know exactly who this character Duncan Ferguson is. So we watched a lot of videos and then he cites two of his biggest influences being uh, Walter Smith and, and Howard Kendall, um, both hugely successful and gregarious managers in their own right. Howard Kendall, I think, famously um, used to take the players out for a big piss up uh, on a, on a on a on a midweek or something like that. Uh, and then if they had a game the next day, and, and they won once, and uh, I think it was what they used to go out for a piss up on a Wednesday if they had a game on a Thursday, and they won the game on the Thursday once. So they did that. So they went for a piss up every Wednesday, and then they lost. The game so one time on a Thursday or something, and he goes, Right, lads, we're going to change it up now. What are you go? Well, we're going to go out on a Tuesday instead. So, but what Duncan Ferguson's done is something completely different. So, I think the players traditionally under Dodds, I don't know if under the, under the other managers, but certainly under Billy Dodds, they have Wednesdays off. No Wednesdays off now, I'm hearing. No Wednesdays off, Sandy. It's all part of the uh, demand, isn't it? He's what, 100%, and he obviously feels that if he can get that 100%, he's going to get them in for that extra day if he needs it. He's obviously wanting to. I would imagine he's wanting to see who's who's really going to play for him, who's really going to you know buy into what he's doing, and perhaps this is a way of him doing it. And time will tell as well as results in that one. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think um, it's it's almost like a reset. It's a chance to properly see what what players are, are really capable of and what they'll be able to do once they get up to his standards. And I'm hoping that that's going to be a good thing. Give Ay Ross. Give me, give me a player each who you think's really going to benefit from his his style of coaching. I think probably Longstaff. Maybe 
I think he was he's a young player, kind of maybe needs a bit of like help. Like obviously when he first joined, as Sandy said earlier, that maybe his fitness wasn't the highest and all that. But I feel like he may be about the best player to kind of coach. As I would say also Billy McKay, but Billy McKay, we all know, is the finisher we all know and love. But I think Longstaff could really help from what his style of play maybe can show and prove. Uh, I would like to say, but I don't know if it'll if it'll actually happen, I would like to see either Samuels or Ludovica. Um, Samuels, I, I still think, looks like he doesn't really know where he should be sometimes on the pitch. You know, I'm just never sure about him positionally. And Ferguson, I think, would really, would, should really help him with that. Uh, the reason Ludovica, I would say, is, is because he's obviously a big guy who was bought, presumably, for his strength and his, and his kind of presence. Um and Ferguson could do that job, but Ferguson was very good with the ball at his feet as well, and I've not seen that from Lodovica. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, Charlie Gilmore, possibly, as well. Someone who might just have to add a little bit more steel in the middle of the park. You know, I think he, he uses the ball well, but I think maybe just that that kind of aggression really needs someone to kind of step up and fill the, the Allardyce role a little bit more. So that would be an interesting one to see if he can bring that out of him more. Um, can I just add on to that? I felt like against Arbroath, like Max Anderson and Gilmore looked really good in midfield. Like they were making tackles. They were like just being the units we all kind of expect them to be. But Gilmore was making passes, switching play, and then Max Anderson just looked like a player is there. We just haven't seen his potential yet. I, I know we've heard from Dundee fans that he's really good and all that. Just he doesn't get first team football for Dundee. But I think we've got a player there with Gilmore and Anderson. Ferguson yeah. highlighted Gilmore for plays. Yesterday in his interview, he said he thought he was one of our best players. Yeah, I do. I agree with Ross. I actually really like Max Anderson against uh, Dundee United and against Dunfermline. I think uh, Ferguson can certainly, you know, bring the best out of him as well. Okay, it was a short term, long term. And um, the CEO Scott Gardner stated that they approached Ferguson rather than the other way around and attracted him to the project, as they're calling it. Now, I imagine that the project uh, will be to get back to the Premier League, which sounds slightly ridiculous at the moment. And I think. Scott alluded to that in one of his interviews, um, but at the moment, uh, the project is really just not to be relegated, simply just to win some games and not lose the rest of them. So there's a short term, but there's also a long term. What do you think, Jockey? Yeah, the short term, as you say, just just stay up and, you you know, you look at the immediate battle, there are two teams with very similar records to Cali Thistle right now, and obviously it's the teams closest to them. Morton and Ayr are a wee bit in, in free fall right now. You know, Morton have um, dropped below Cali Thistle on, on goal difference, and um, you know, I, I don't know what it is. With Morton, they, they, they only missed out on the, the playoffs last year on goal difference, you know, and there's a lot of uh, backing for Dougie Emery, who's got a bit of a, a paper-thin squad down there at, at Capelo and Cali Thistle are there in, uh, this month, October. Um, I, I just worry about Air from their point of view. Um, you know, Lee Bullen, any kind of goodwill for, for Lee just seems to fade a little bit, you know. So, um, yeah, so yeah, first and foremost, get Cali Thistle out of trouble. I think that would be the thing between now and New Year. And then see where you are. Um, you know, top four has got to be an ambition. I'm a wee bit worried now about Dundee United's form. I think they do look like the, the champions already that, that we fear that they, they might be. Um, I think they're on a 10-game unbeaten run and they were untroubled after uh, falling behind to Queen's Park. So um, first and foremost, become uh, the force down the bottom half of the table. And uh, that's that's been the message from the, the new manager from day one. 
Um, obviously, he's worked with the youth at Everton quite a lot, and we've got an average age squad's 24, so there's not a lot of experience in there. Do you think, EY, that that particularly, plus his personality, is what we're tapping into? I think the youth thing's got to be part of it, doesn't it? You know, um, I mean, he's talked about bringing in loan players, um, and you would hope that if he was going to do that, he might get some experienced ones. But I think the club must have brought him in knowing that the likelihood of adding to the squad in terms of our budget was pretty low and must have said to him, look, we have got this system where we're bringing through players like Keith Bray, Robbie Thompson, Roddy McGregor still to come back. You know, we've got uh, Brooks in there as well. We've got all these young boys that just need that little bit more kind of um, guidance, that leadership, that kind of experience that you've got, you know. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a big part of it. I think he's going to be a player that, are, are some of that they really, really look up to as well. One of the things I really liked actually was you were talking about the training. You saw the photos, and he was on the ball, stuck in about it. Do you know what I mean? You don't see that as much, yeah. but to see him there, you know, guy in his fifties, but still looking absolutely fit as a fiddle and really imposing. Do you not think? That, do you not think the players just look terrified? Yeah, <laughs> I totally. But I think that's great. Another thing as well. I mean, you talked about. Getting, I mean, I really like the idea of getting them in in a way, getting them in at the moment full time. I mean, they can always, you know, maybe get the Wednesdays off back later in the season when the fixtures start coming thick and fast. But moment, get them as fit as possible. And if the training is as good and as high level as he says it is, then they love that. You always hear players saying that, saying, "Oh, the training was really good." The training, you know, they really appreciate. I think good training. So I think all those things can only benefit. All the players, but especially the young guys, you know, that could be working with this legend and maybe doing drills and that that they've not seen before. Yeah, and Sandy, apart from points on the board, uh, we also need to get bums on seats, obviously, because attendances have been dwindling. Um, so if the media coverage is anything to go by, hopefully we will get that. And obviously we had near 250, as Jockey was saying, at Gayfield, which is, I think we must have been under, a, I think we must have been in two figures at um, Kirkcaldy. So, you know, that's more than double that. There's going to be hype for the next few weeks with them getting the job, and I think that's going to get thumbs on the seat, certainly in the immediate. And if we carry on getting results like yesterday and putting in performances like yesterday, because I know the game finished tight, but it was it was entertaining nonetheless, that'll keep people coming back as well. So, in in short, he, he just needs to kind of keep doing what he's doing, delivering results and keeping the message positive, because everybody seems to be responding quite well to it just now probably because we've not been used to it for so long. It's it's a welcome change and I think folks are quite excuse me, folks are quite happy with that. A big name, a guy that's played for Scotland, uh a larger than life character who's come from England um in a in a time where we're struggling to an extent. The similarities with one Terence Butcher are there for all to see AY, aren't they? And we know what happened then. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there, there are obvious, there are differences as well. Um, in that Terry Butcher was arguably the best resource manager we ever had. Now that's not to that's not to belittle what he did for us because I think he, he was he was fantastic for us uh, when he came in, especially that first season. The bounce we got was tremendous. I think he made one or two tactical errors just towards the end of the season, and we just didn't quite get over the line, you know. But for a, a period, you know, it was fantastic, and the way he then turned it around in the following seasons was phenomenal, you know. So. Um, if he can get close to kind of building a that sort of part with the fans and b building a team that plays for him as well as he does in his style, then but Butcher was his style evolved. You know he was very pragmatic in the first season down, 
you know, and he quite a lot of long ball to four in, knock down to Rooney, that sort of stuff. But the team, the football got better and better the, mm-hmm. the longer Butcher was there, you know. And so if Ferguson really is there for the long haul, um, then if he does that, pragmatism first and then really puts a stamp in it, that'll be fantastic. But I think that the one thing, the one difference is that he's never going to have the, the financial backing that Teddy Butcher had. Ross, you know, you go you go to every home game. What, what sort of style of football do you want to see? One of the things that was sort of... Um, used as a stick to beat Billy Dodds a little bit was that he didn't have a dedicated style of football. Do you think that Ferguson's going to bring a dedicated style of football? Do you think that's something that fans want to see or do they just want to win games? I think it's a bit more like right now it's win games obviously because like we've been on this forum beforehand where we're just drawing and losing for the majority of the season but I think people want to see a bit more attacking play, a bit more clinical when we actually get chances like against Dundee United, you, know, we, you saw we had the aspects of that, but nothing really came of it. But then against Arbroath, you saw scored three, was it three really good goals at the end of the day? It was a good ball by Cami for the first one. Ushek said it, and then we actually had someone there for the finish. Good ball by Longstaff for Dodden, but I just feel a bit more clinical football. I would say, we, I would say we scored two really good goals. I'm not sure the first one was a really good goal. Well, uh, well the first one, like, at the end of the day, we're kind of... Well, Longstaff but, bundles it over with his... Uh... But I think I think it's just like that game of getting that goal, though. Like, it's yeah. uh, just someone being there, really, at the end of the day. Like, we don't need to rely on Billy McKay scoring all the goals. If everyone else can ship up, it'll be happy. But a bit more attacking, I would have said, a bit more clinical. I would be happy. Chucky, have you looked into this at all? Have you have you talked to colleagues in England or anything? What does does he does he have a style he prefers to play? I mean, I did I did think we were going to play four four two against our broth because basically this is just what I looked at the game where he took over as um, interim coach um, for Everton when they played Chelsea and he beat Chelsea three one and he played four four two in that game. And that was the only reason why I thought he would play it. Aye, well, I haven't looked at it yet. No, but he did say yesterday that. Uh, sometimes it can be quite hard to to work out formations uh, apart from like w- right at the start of the kickoff, and I thought they they'd kind of set up as a four four one one, just the, the the same as they they normally have. But um, he did say that um, for the majority of the game they did go four four two against our, our broth, so we need to look more closely at it. So that, that seems as if that might be his preferred route. Um, he said that they did, you know, shift to, to a five at the back for a wee spell during the game at Gayfield and that just didn't work. So they quickly reverted back. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think 4-4-2 will be the way he'll go. But yeah, no, that's one for, for closer examination, certainly. But hopefully, Sandy, he obviously he changed a back five um, for the latter stages of the game yesterday. And I think it, as he said in his interview, I think he said it was a mistake. Um, shouldn't have done that. But it actually shows a bit of willing to change systems, which although Dodds would um, would change per- personnel quite a lot, perhaps didn't change systems in the middle of the game, Sandy, no? Yeah, Dodds did have a tendency to be a bit rigid. Um, and yeah, I think, having spoken to a couple of folks yesterday after hearing him post-match, I think folks were quite pleased that he was kind of self-reflective like that. Like, you know, he, he knew that he'd perhaps made a mistake there and you know, he's learning as he goes as well because he's only had a couple of days worth of training with them before the game. And I mean, yesterday was a, a big game in that as well. But yeah, it's it's good. It's I think when you hear a manager speak like that, it's the kind of thing that will get fans on side. It'll probably get your players on side as well because they'll trust you more if, if you're more open with them about your mistakes as well. So again, it, it learning as we go, but it's a positive thing. And thankfully, you know, it didn't have an impact on the result. We got that win over the line. And Billy Dodds, AY, was the head coach. And uh, when we were, obviously, when he, when he got the boot, and Scott Gardner, the club, put out a statement saying, 
we're on the we're on the hunt for a new head coach. He did say head coach in that statement, but Ferguson's come in and he is manager. His title is manager. How important is that? You assume it's because he wants greater control over all the areas of the football department. I mean, that that would be my guess. You know, he wants like every kind of aspect of football to be answerable to him. Um, where that leaves John Robertson, I don't know. I mean, I assume John Robertson keeps the sporting director title, but whether he's got less involvement in transfers or whatever, I just don't know. Um, maybe it also means uh, I mean, I, I don't know how involved Billy Dawes was with uh, with Ryan Esson and Charlie Christie's younger players, but maybe Duncan Ferguson wants to take a more active role or uh, kind of like find be kind of more kind of involved in that aspect as well. I, I really don't know, but. Um, it suggests to me someone who wants to be, you know, very much the the, the figure, the kind of the the figure who represents all football at the at the club, and I think that's a good thing in a way as well. People people like that, you know, and it also means that he's saying I'm accountable. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's also taking an extra responsibility. He's not going to palm it off on anyone else. So it's it's you know, it's it's a bravish kind of thing as well. Um, and I also quite like the fact that he's obviously shown that he's. He's kind of laying down the law to some extent to the you know to everyone else in the club. Do you know what I mean? He's not kind of coming in, kind of going, "I'll take whatever role you want to give me." He's very much saying, "This, these are my terms." You know, so these are these are good things. Hopefully, yeah. One thing I picked up a couple of times, and I mentioned it in some of the podcasts that I did during the week, was that um, I think a lot of people think that strength of character is probably one of the main reasons we've got him. And I think we, as I said earlier, I think we will definitely be tapping into that. But where he believed that he is strongest, and I watched this in a couple of Everett interviews, he believes that he's strongest with tactical setup. He says he's really strong at like setting up a team quite sharply, quite tactically, uh, and also he's really keen on playing without the ball. So whether that is you know players moving off the ball when other players have got it, but I think it's more probably when the opposition has the ball and what shape and what spaces you need to be in when they have the ball. So um, that's going to be really interesting to see going forward, Sandy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's that, that's one thing that I've kind of discussed with one or two folks previously is, you know, we've not really had a, an idea of what our strongest team is, you know, and that even goes as far back as to the latter days of Billy Dodds because the, the transfer window was kind of a bit sort of a bit of a mashup. And, you know, we've obviously lost a couple of players to injury as well, long-term injury to, to Sam and you know, we haven't really had an idea for our strongest lineup or or formation is. So, when you've got somebody there who's quite confident in his own ability to to set a team up in terms of personnel and 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 strategy, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited to see how 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 this kind of develops because I do think there's a lot of good players in that team and there's some who haven't necessarily had a great start, but I think they'll get better. And I think as long as the confidence kind of grows from yesterday, you know, I, I am I'm quite excited to see where we can go with this now. You know, I am. And he's bringing in Gary Bolin, I believe, as assistant chalky. Have, have you heard that as well? I know he said it on Talksport, but we're yet to we're yet to see um, the, yeah, the, no, the even the even scarier part of the partnership. <laughs> we're yet to see him. Yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah, no, nothing official from the club, but of course he was he was there at Gayfield yesterday, and he did take. Oh, was he? It, yeah, he was there, and, and he did um, do the sessions uh, with Duncan um, on the pitch. So that's uh, double trouble for the for the players with their mm. uh, rep- reputation and uh, high standards as well. I know, um, obviously, Gary's been out of the the game since Cowden Beath a couple of years ago, but um, you know he you know Duncan from his uh, Dundee United playing days, and uh, they've kept that uh, relationship um, and, and friendship over the years. So yet another guy we, we, um, that will de- demand a lot from the players having played at the, the highest level. 
And he, and he said he does want to get a few players in, but he obviously wants to give the players that we've got just now a chance to impress him. Ross, where, where would you like to see us strengthen? I don't, um, probably centre half in a sense, because obviously we're getting Devines getting injured every couple of weeks now. But every time he plays, he looks solid, which is annoying. It seemed like it was, uh, I think, I don't know if he played against Dundee United or was the game before that. He looked really solid when we were playing against them, but probably centre half. I would just like a bit more coverage in that area because I think if we get another one or two injuries in there, we're going to be um, in trouble again. What about the rest of you? Would, would you like to see him strengthen any particular area? Do you think Do you think Big Harry is the answer as, a, as the backup to Billy? Do you think we need another central midfielder given that Sean Welsh is still injured? Do you think that Nathan Shaw will ever start playing football this season? Yeah, I think we definitely need another striker. Um, no question. Brooks, I think, will be a good player, but he seems a wee bit off it. I've already said that I don't think Lodovic has got the pace or, or the or the ability with the ball at his feet, unfortunately. Um, Samuels just doesn't seem to be cutting it this season. You know, he's, he's always been a player that looks like he might threaten to, to, to be a really effective player. But this is his chance, it. Samuels, isn't it? I mean, if he doesn't actually buck up now, he's going to be, yeah. play, he's going to be playing be the in the, the Blue yeah. Square Northern northern co-op league for yeah, the rest of his career exactly. and yeah and that's the thing and, and billy one of the the kind of like the consequences of all this is that we've seen billy mckay taking more and more responsibility on himself and he's been dropping deeper and trying to make things happen which means he's not there really uh, on the end of chances you know so we need someone that either is supplying mckay or someone that will become the you know the the nine and, and let mckay actually forage a little bit more if that's what he's becoming more effective at doing you know i would i would i, I wouldn't be opposed to another winger just because we've got long staff and we've got shaw both, both decent players but we've not really got anything beneath that we've got thompson and bray but i wouldn't want to be heaping pressure on them given that they're quite young and there's still a few potential wide options out there that have been mentioned kind of throughout the week that might not be a, a bad punt if we got the chance to take them. And I think um, Charlie Christie and John Robertson bef- before the Dundee United game identified that's a, a key missing link for Inverness is the, the supply chain getting through to Billy McKay. You know, they just feel there's not enough creativity just at, at that level. They, they don't see too much wrong over, overall. And I think... Um, you know the the centre half uh, pairing have the new centre half pairing have, have looked at a little bit. You know they've come in and done a good job over the past kind of fortnight. But um, yeah, I think that would be an area that Duncan would would look to that kind of uh, unlock locking the door. Okay, we'll move on. Um, what we will never we've talked about a lot. We talked a lot there. We've uncovered a lot of stone. What we will never know was in his interview was he very very impressive or was he just very very intimidating. I think it was the former, actually. <laughs> right, media interest. Media interest has been off the scale in the last week. Um, we, lowly little us, we were asked to do a few, we'll do radio shows and podcasts and, and interviews for the Scottish Cup semi-final and final last season, but this has knocked that out of the park. Um, Sandy did Sports Sound and Reporting Scotland, I believe. Um, AY did the Scottish Football Podcast. Stevie talked to um, present Mr Chalk for the P&J and to Kenny McIntyre on Radio Scotland as well. And I chatted to Graham Spears 
and Alan Patullo on Spearzo's pod and Craig Fowler on the terrace, but you've actually got to pay for those last two. So, you know, we give you it for free here. So there's no there's no need for you to be listed to that, to be honest. Uh, although I did, I did, you know, I basically used up all my material <laughs> on those two podcasts. I've left myself with nothing for this one, as you can see. Um, but yeah, it's almost as if the regular pundits and, and commentators, you know, they know nothing about Cali Thistle, and and when they when there's a big story, they turn to the people that, that they think they should know. So, uh, you know, we're, we're big time now. And, and and through it all, I was just thinking, Uncle Roy must be beeling. He must be sitting there in his mansion and and Ross going, bastards. He must be beeling. Uh, and also hundreds of Everton fans have started following the club's social media accounts. We've actually had some start following us as well. Um, we've been talked about in national news, Alan Brazil and Ali McCoist um, speaking about the football club. It's huge and it's almost entirely positive. Before I go on to ask AY and Sandy about the experiences, what, what's your thoughts on the on the media swarm, Paul. Obviously, the talk sport one was uh, when you get to that level as as well. You know, you know, it's a big story, and the, the fact that it was broken by Sky Sports News, as I said at the the, the start. You know, um, actually, when I went along to the the, the um, press conference where Duncan was confirmed as as the manager on Tuesday morning, I, I arrived. Uh, in plenty of time, more than an hour before the press conference, because I actually did think it would um, it would uh, attract more journalists, um, especially uh, broadcasts. But it, it wasn't to to be. But I think the the nine thirty a.m. start um, was there was the problem there at Inverness, you know, for uh, the rest to to get up. Yeah, but it's been been great to see the 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 interest in, in the club, and um, you know, I think it's got to only be a positive thing. And it, it, all I can say in terms of the. The, the wine, the shuffle, you know, you guys have been great contributors to us at the PNJ, you know, yourself, Andrew, as well, ahead of the, the cup final as, as well, you know, and it's great to, to hear from you. Just wish you I hadn't guys. printed that picture. A massive well, picture of my face. The picture half, was a bit of a page. <laughs> <laughs> It was almost a free poster. In the, it in was, the PNJ, it? But, um, but uh, no, it's always great to get your, your input and we really appreciate it. Uh, and guys, um, Sandy, you did uh, Sports Sound uh, and Reporting mm-hmm. Scotland, mm-hmm. both broadcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're relatively new to the to the podcast. How did you how did you find the experiences? Um, I think I talked a good game, which is shows how much I blagged it because I won't lie, I was absolutely crapping myself the whole time. While I, I did like it. it when you when you you read the right act to Michael Stewart live on the radio. I, yeah, to be fair, that the questions on Sports Sound were a bit. They were a bit meh because at one point they asked me if I thought John Robertson would be a good candidate, and he'd already been ruled out of it like a week before. So <laughs> they hadn't, re- they really hadn't done yeah. their homework. But yeah, Michael Stewart seemed quite unimpressed at how deadfastly sure I was that sacking Dodds was a good decision. So yeah, it was, it was quite good fun putting him in his place. To be honest, I just wanted to get off the air and get my Indian because I was absolutely starving at that point. So anything, anything that basically got the point across as quickly as possible and got me off the air as quick as possible, I was, I was totally on board with. Anyway, what about your? You did a Scottish football podcast with Andrew Slavin, I think, was it? Yeah, Andrew Slavin and uh, Finn, can't remember the name. Um, really nice guys. Um, I think, I don't know if this is like some sort of like, there used to be one called the Totally Scottish Football Podcast that I think um, Andrew Slavin did with JJ Bull, um, which was linked to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I think that was maybe dropped and they've now taken this thing on themselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they were nice. They kind of gave me. Um, 
you know, plenty of opportunity to just sit and talk about about what had happened. Obviously, the Ferguson thing, as I said, broken just before it, so I was kind of making that up as I went along a wee bit. But that obviously became the sort of the the sort of the the, the pool for it, the, the way that they were able to publicise it. And so I was kind of horrified to learn retrospectively that uh, they um, they released some video as well on YouTube. And you know, I'm sitting here. You know, I'm not exactly you know an oil painting anyway, and I'm kind of sitting there peering into my phone. Um, trying to do this podcast and then like a couple of days later on Twitter up pops a Scottish football podcast on you know my timeline and there's the three of us and my ball face is kind of floating <laughs> kind of to and from my kind of phone camera. You're moving like, around quite a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah look, looking like a kind of balloon with like a pair of glasses painted on it and they've got, kind of got my, my kind of like a Word subtitled, and there's going Andrew Young from the Winter Scuff Shuffle is very skeptical about the Duncan Ferguson appointment. And here's me trying to kind of look at the pros and the cons sort of thing. And I'm sitting there going, This is just a, a, an absolutely appalling look, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's good, it's good publicity for the pod, obviously. You yeah. know, and I, I, I enjoy doing it fine. Yeah. It's great to be asked. Um, yeah. Graham, yeah. Graham Spears, he's never been in touch with us before for anything. So, I, I went on his podcast with Alan Patillo, who wrote the, who wrote the book. It's in search of Duncan Ferguson, I think. Is that what it's called? It is, yeah, yeah. and it's worth reading. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, yeah, I, I've I've not read it, but I certainly put it on my yeah, list. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and a funny thing, he didn't actually speak to Duncan Ferguson when he wrote the book. He was basically just talking to a lot of people that had, that had known him and met him and, and whatnot. Um, but he 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 told a great little anecdote about Ferguson and uh, obviously his first professional manager Jim McLean, and McLean said to him, "My problem is." Uh, I love football too much. Your problem is you don't love it enough. And said, if you put as much effort into football as you did into your pigeons, you'd be a great player. Said that as well. Um, so, and then also Alan was mentioned that when he was talking about his like influences and whatnot in terms of Ancelotti and Smith and 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 uh, Howard Kendall, uh, uh, McLean was noticeably absent. So I think there was obviously sort of a fractious relationship maybe you know more about that than i do chalky no 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 i, I did notice that his name was uh, uh absent from that uh, conversation so um yeah uh, that was actually an extra question we'd thrown in at the press conference so uh, was it we didn't want to um pursue that further. no no it's noted, noted for next time yeah leave that one but no it was great um so if anyone's listening thank you very much for getting in touch with us for and inviting us on your podcast and doing the interviews and everything we're always absolutely um we're always happy to do it and we do form them out to um other people as well sometimes um but it's uh, it, it's great to do and it's obviously wonderful to talk about this uh a great period which is hopefully going to be a great period in the club's history uh now we're going to move on to talking about a contentious thing don't you know what this is such a positive pod but we need to do it supporters trust meeting next you got no soul you rubber bumpers Okay, before we move on to the upcoming games, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the supporters' trust meeting that happened before the Dundee United game a couple of weeks ago. Sandy, Andrew, you were there. Ross, were you there? Uh, no, I wasn't. Okay. My brothers were. My um, brother at Callum and my mum was there. Right. Okay. So, how many people attended uh, in all? Ay, uh, and what were some of the the burning topics? Uh, I would say maybe around 40-ish, something like that in the end. You know, people were sort of drifting in. Um, a lot of it a, a lot of it was about the um, people's experiences 
at the ground and people's experiences with being unable to contact, you know, or, or get kind of a decent sort of communication with the club and get decent responses from the club. You know, a lot of people had, you know, individual kind of grievances, um, you know. I, I believe uh, there was a guy complaining about puddles. Yeah, puddles and stairs and that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, fair enough. That's, that's <laughs> what these things are for. And the thing is that these are the things that the supporters trust can actually go and take back to the club and represent, you know, and I, and I do think, although I think maybe people kind of felt this is kind of like minutiae beyond anything that really matters, I think these sorts of uh, forums are there for people to kind of bear these sorts of grievances. And the fact that it was talked about, it was talked about doing it more regularly, I think shows that a lot of people kind of felt that, you know, it, it had been a good thing. Um, one of the things that I would say, I mean, a lot of people did want to just kind of, there's one or two people who are, who are known to the pod, um, who basically just wanted to kind of rant about Gardner out, Gardner out, Gardner out. Um, but again, that's something, you know, whether you agree with that or not, it's something that the sports... Sandy, you could, could you not have just behaved yourself for, for one meeting? Yeah. What? Sorry, I was just going to say... I, one... I, did, I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say one, one, one thing that I would say in the defence of the club, I suppose, is that the newest director, Scott Young, actually came along and did try and speak to represent the board. He was probably slightly defensive at first. He felt that maybe some of the criticism was unwanted, that the club was doing things sort of behind the scenes that they couldn't really talk about. Um, but um, he did, you know, he came along. He, he was gracious with most of the questions. He spoke to a lot of supporters individually. I um, I had quite a long chat with him. As I said, I, I, kind of, I haven't spoken to him for about 30 years, but I kind of like grew up next door to him. Um, and, and we did a nice chat. And he said, I asked him why he'd, why he'd got involved. And he said that basically he cares about the club and he can he's got kind of like friends, you know, um people around the town that he knows and that he might be able to sort of reach out. He was non-specific as you'd expect him to be, but I assume that means maybe for things like for sponsorship perhaps or 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 for kind of things that they ways in which they can benefit the club. So I suppose from that point of view, getting those sort of okay, communications is a good thing. Um so yeah, that, that that was one thing that I thought was quite nice that came out of it. Um, but Sandy's probably got various other takes on it as well. I said uh, my own piece. I didn't really take uh, an attack at anybody individually. Um, I think, to be fair, that that had been done more before I got a chance to speak. So there was no point in really kind of beating that particular drum. But you know, folks, folks had mentioned communication between club and the fans a lot. Uh, the things like disabled access. There was talk about the car park as well, and the state of the paths. I think was pointed in particular because it, it could impact disabled access as well. Um, especially folks in wheelchairs trying to get through sort of uh, paddled paths could be a real issue for them. And to be fair, that's that's a legitimate issue and it is one that they do really need to look at sorting, I suppose. A lot of anger and frustration was there. You could, could kind of sense that from very early on. And uh, Scott Young uh, touched upon that when, when he, he, he started speaking. Um, and there was also a couple of folks there who had, had worked for the club in the past and had a... a that sort of more active role in the past as well, and they had all made it quite clear that they weren't going back to games until uh, until Scott Gardner or John Robertson was were removed. Now that's that's their own take. That's 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 just me kind of quoting what they've had to say. I think what I took from it was that there seems to be quite a, a strong distrust that they will get things right going forward. That that remains to be seen. What AY touched upon about the meeting in the future, I think, is a good thing because towards the end of it, it did get it did get more positive, and I think. With the change of manager as well, the hope that things improving on the pitch might kind of help improve. So, Sandy, well. can I can I just jump in and ask you there? 
when you say yeah. there's a hope that they might get things right going forward, like what does that yeah. mean specifically? Well, I, in particular, at the time, it was pointing towards getting a new manager, because obviously at that point, Duncan Ferguson hadn't been hired. Um, you know, the there was an active process, uh, obviously ongoing at the time. There was also talk about Scott alluded to finances as well. Um, that there were things sort of ongoing, and the hope is that it will be of benefit to the club going forward. So I guess folks need to be patient more than anything else right now. But there are definitely things there that could be improved, in particular communication and the long-standing issues like the disabled access. So I'm hoping that there will be some sort of response from the club as and when the trusts sort of get the sort of information sort of mm-hmm. piled and, and put into them. Because the club obviously gets a lot right in terms of um, the academy, uh, and, and in terms of the community work, um, they, they, those are those are very sort of strong aspects of the football club. And if you've got a manager, new manager coming in, Duncan Ferguson, big name, he is going to get bums on seats. Attendance should go up, and um, results should get better. So then that's another prong that's 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 working well. So then you're sort of looking at going, okay, so what isn't working well? And presumably the two aspects would be communication with fans and um, finances. But then yeah. if they have these irons in the fire with the um, the battery farm and uh, Red John, uh, two 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 you know two things that are often used to as a stick to to beat the club with. Then hopefully you know if those do eventually come to fruition, you're really just looking at communication. Aren't you? you talked about the community work, and I think the community work community work's an excellent thing. But I don't know if they actually market themselves well enough on that. We know that they they do a lot of stuff, but you know one thing that I think Stevie's always spoken well about is the lack of presence of the club in the city centre. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the preview pod. You know what I mean? But I think like the work the club does in the community, they should also use to market themselves and push themselves, you know, um as a as a, sort of a big force for good within the within the community. I think there's an awful lot of, you know, people kind of scrolling around, whether it's Eastgate Centre or whatever, that think that Cali Thistle, you know, don't really exist as as much beyond a, you know, a, a result on a Saturday. It was it was quite cathartic in a way. Um and in in some ways, it was kind of reassuring to know that some of the stuff that folks have been thinking it's shared by a lot of fans. Um, and it, yeah, it's up to the club now to get these things right going forward. That said, you know, I think there's been a lot of active fan input in trying to get it this far and hopefully maybe take it further. And I think that should be noted because that's a lot of time and effort for from folks that you know they they can't sort of always afford. Um, in saying that, though. Overall, I, I found it quite a positive experience. Um, I maybe spoke a bit too sternly towards Scott Young, but I did shake his hand afterwards with AY as my witness. Um, yeah, but it, it but but it was it was at the end of the day, it, it was actually just nice to be around fans because um, I don't really get to do much or pre-match anymore. So, you know, I got to have a pint with a couple of guys I know. I got to speak to AY. My 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 old man was there as well because he has his he has his column in the P and J on a Monday, and I think he was wanting to have some of it ready for. For Monday, and we were saying that ourselves. You know, we couldn't remember the last time we'd kind of had a, a beer pre-match. So, in some ways, there was a lot of positive things to come out of it. It's all about what the club do with it now going forward. I hope that hope that there there's a lot that gets learned from it, and it would be nice to have one again because I'd like to think with a few more decent results on the pitch, and you know, a wee bit more kind of uh, of a positive approach online from from supporters as well. Hopefully the next one might be a bit more positive as well. And um, so that's the end of that section. But yeah, check out Sandy's dad's column in the PNJ on a 
on a Monday, we're always for a bit of ne- nepotism here. N- nothing wrong with a bit of nepotism. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No barter sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. League look ahead, Saturday the 7th of October, Party at Home versus Chris Doolan, he is 36. Saturday the 21st of October, Morton Away versus Doogie Imry, he is 40. Saturday the 28th of October, Airdrie at Home versus Reese McCabe, he is a sprightly 31 versus Duncan Ferguson, who is 51. 51, it's, it's quite, you know, obviously he was 50 last year, and um, that's how these things work. Um... <laughs> Where do you got the forest green job? Fifty to get your first job is is quite it's quite uh, it's quite old, Ross, isn't it? I wouldn't, yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. But I think from what like his experience of working under the, all these managers and how long he's been in the like the football game under being coaches, so hopefully he's learned something from like Ancelotti, Martinez, all the other names there is was he's learned under. So hopefully he can use that experience to take us on to the next level. Hopefully. Anyway, Billy Dodds, he obviously was another. Uh, manager that got his, uh, his break late in the day and that didn't work out so well but there obviously is parallels in terms of their age yeah I don't know whether to be sort of um, offended at this ageism or like happy because it's hope for me yeah no it's know, just it's it's, it's no it's just it's surprising is what it is you know is it, these guys have been you know they both played for Scotland they both played for top clubs and they both only are getting their break at basically 50 years old yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, as, as you say, Ferguson seems to have had a funny sort of relationship in his early days with football. I mean, he obviously did end up as a coach at Everton, but, um, you know, he didn't come across as a sort of player that had kind of like, was was determined to be involved, you know, um, in management from an early from an early age, you know. Um, Billy Dodds, I mean, I can't remember. He's just kind of bumped about, hasn't he? You know, he's been an assistant manager, but he's always kind of split that with the, the media work and stuff like that. Um, so, um, you know, maybe he... Maybe he didn't have that really burning desire to be a manager either. I just don't know. And it just like the opportunity presented himself and he thought, why not? So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay, let's look at the individual matches. Um, Partick, uh, first game. Um, so their last results, they beat Dunfermline 3-0 at home. They lost 3-0 at home VR Broth. They beat Air 4-0 at Somerset. They lost 3-2 at Queen of the South in the Cup. And then they beat Morton 4-1 away. So you have absolutely no idea what you're going to get from Chris Doolan's Park Thistle team this season. Um, this is Big Dunk's first home game. Um, what do you reckon the attendance will be for this, Sandy? A percentage increase of what? I think it would be strong. There was, there was, there was over 3,000 at the last home game against United, but granted United took a decent away crowd with them. I don't know. I'd probably expect it to be a, a solid two and a half. I don't see Park taking too many fans with them, but I do think there'll be a, a steady increase of home fans coming in. Plus, you've got the school holidays as well to, to tie right. in with that too. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. Going by the form, they're due a defeat and hopefully we give it to them. And what, what do you think, guys? Um, just anyone jump in? Um, yeah, you, you just don't know what Park Thistle team is going to turn up, so... I was just going to say, I, I'm kind of hoping for a, a two-footed tackle from Big Dunk on Brian Graham. Oh, please. 
please. Yes, yeah. I would love that. Genuinely love that. I was just going to say, I'm still recovering from uh, the last Partick Thistle game I covered, which was that epic game in Dingwall, and uh, just <laughs> in June that uh, seemed to last forever, and County somehow got out of jail. But um, yeah, no. But um, in terms of Partick, the. the they, they either win or they lose, don't they? I think they, they drew their first game of the season and uh, there they were a fortnight ago, pummeled by our bro 3-0 and then they, they bounced back with the, the victory at the weekend. So, um, yeah, um, and Partick have, have climbed their way up to third place in, in the table. But, uh, you know, Partick, Morton and Airdrie, um, the October games, as, as you say, you're, you're looking for a return of, you would suggest, about seven points from that, wouldn't you? But at Morton, they lost 1-0 home to Airdrie, they lost 3-1 away to Dunfermline, yeah. they drew 1-1 with Dundee United, and they lost four, that's four games, they haven't won in four games, more than that, actually. Imreed, Dougie Imreed, the man who could have been king, the man the man we all wanted, and the man that is now rooted to the bottom of the league at time of recording. Um, listen, anyway, if, if, if he'd been offered the job, do you think he would have taken it? A... I think he might have done. There were rumours about him being interested, and um, there's also rumours about his relationship with the um, with the board. Uh, Morton not being that great. Um, I was. I would have been okay with that at the time, hearing some of the other managers mentioned. But now I'm kind of looking at it a little bit more. I'm starting to think he might have had a lucky escape. Mm-hmm. I think he would have. I think he would have probably made us more solid and got a performance out of the players that we got. But looking at his signings this season and apparently his stubbornness, you know, in, in persisting with them and the form they've shown recently, I'm starting to think that actually, you know, it probably was a lucky escape. Um, obviously, we signed, uh, you remember he signed George Oakley from us in January and the Morton fans were kind of like lauding his genius when Oakley immediately went on that run of scoring, whatever it was, like five goals in 10 games or something like that. Uh, and so he does the same again this season when he signs Stephen Boyd and Chris Broadfoot, Chris, Kirk Broadfoot Chris? rather. Sorry, Kurt Ruffy. And um, I think, uh, you know, the Martin fans again were kind of all over it and kind of crowing and saying, well, you know, Emery will obviously get to tune out these guys. It's Billy Dodds' fault that they didn't shine for them. And now, if you look online, the Martin fans would happily see both of them fired out of a cannon into the Clyde. Apparently, they'd be <laughs> absolutely rotten. Uh, and given that Martin had a pretty thin squad anyway, um, I suspect that, you know, Signing two players that have not performed at all is, you know, is, is really, really kind of suicidal for them. Apparently, though, they're. Oh no, I was going to say they're bringing in Stuart McKinstry, but I think that's Queens Park that yeah. are doing that. It's Queens Park, yes. Yeah, so another team good. actually, they've they've lost five on the bounce, so they're really struggling as well. They're another team we should try to reel in. But I so no Martin. I think um, that Alan Power apparently hasn't really performed either. So the, the signings haven't gone well this season. So I think that. Um, I'd love it if they were our next game rather than party because I think we would definitely have it as it is they've got Queen's Park now. Okay, let, let's look at you know predictions for these games. Partick, Morton, Airdrie. I'm going to say draw against Partick, beat Morton, beat Airdrie. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the same. I'm going to say seven score points. Draw against seven points, as Chalky says, seven points. Yeah. Yeah, I would love seven, it. Seven for me as well. I would love it if we beat Partick, beat Morton, and probably draw with ARG, I would have said. But I would I would probably agree with your prediction there, though. We'll say we're going to draw with Partick. I'm, I'm, I'm with Ross. I think we might get a result against Partick. They don't have a very good record up here, regardless of how you know good or bad we've played in the last couple of seasons. So I can see us sneaking a win there. If Morton carry on the way they are, I can see us winning that as well. Yeah, I mean, if we win that, if we if, if we beat Partick, we're going to beat Morton. Um, yeah. 
that's that's his first three games, three wins. You know? Yeah. That's no, that's I, outstanding. I, I can see that Airdrie game being a draw though. Airdrie good football inside. Yeah. I, I can see that one being a draw. But I, I can see us winning the, the previous two, definitely. Right now, the way we're looking and all been well, the way we're improving. Even then, from like the form we're on, if we can get seven points in the next three games, I think everyone will be happy with that. Mm. Chapter bits. Uh, right? we've, we, yeah. we've all been in, infected by the spirit of Riley, even though he's not here. You know, all this kind of like uh, relentless positivity. Oh, infected by the spirit of Riley. <laughs> don't like the sound of that. <laughs> right. Okay, right. That's I think that's it for us, guys. Um, we will be back. I'm going to say we'll probably be back after those three games we've talked about, I think. Probably have a little... done quite a few podcasts recently, so we'll have a, probably have a couple, little break of three weeks or so and be back after those games and have a look at how uh, Bid Dunk's first month as manager has gone. Uh, until then, something to finish. Um, right, Duncan Ferguson will lead us to a what-placed finish. Let's start with Paul Chalk. Uh, let's say fourth. Oof. Ross? I would agree with him, fourth. Sandy? Oh. I think we might fall just shy, but I think we'll get free and clear of that bottom two. And given what we've had to do with up to now, I'm I'm okay with that. Andrew Young? Uh, I think it's fifth, I'll say. Yeah, I was going to say fourth, but um, I'm... <laughs> Third. <laughs> oh. Honestly, I, I I reckon this could be an absolute, you know, behemoth of a of a of a league. But the spirit of Riley compels campaign. Too, this this you know, can <laughs> yeah. it league table here? And and at the start of the season, yeah, Dundee United. Everyone thought they'd win the league. I think Reese Rovers will win the league. Um, but everybody else has got much of a much in the squads. To be honest, Partick, Arbroath, Airdrie, Dunfermline, Queens Park, Air. I mean, there's no other manager in the championship like our manager and there's very few managers like that with the character and the history and the background even in the Premier League very very few we I think we've got the biggest one of the biggest not one of the biggest I think we do have the biggest one of the biggest names in Scottish football as our manager do you know think? biggest name and biggest name in terms of kind of prestige right now is yeah it? you know but and I agree with you I would extend that to the Premier League managers as well because he's had such a distinguished playing career um, against everyone else. I got, know, a a, I got a message from a Hearts fan today going, I'm jealous. They've got they've got um, Stephen A. Smith right enough. Like, they, they, they don't even have a No manager. comparison, is it? Exactly. Right. We will uh, say uh, bye from them. Say bye, everybody. Bye. 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 It's a bye from me. Thank you very much, Ross, for coming on your first pod. Thank you very much. Chalky, always good to have a bit of professionalism uh, on the shambles. Uh, we are all off to believe in Duncan Ferguson. Take care of yourself and each other, and goodbye for now. Yeah, yeah.